one final showstopper. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to F1 in Review, the episode and sometimes the hour where we go through the latest in Formula One news. Now we have come straight from the Las Vegas Grand Prix, uh, the the first of its kind, I guess, of of Grand Prix that perhaps are mostly about show rather than racing spectacle, or maybe it's just because it was the first one of the um, I, you know. Las Vegas Grand Prix, and they were just trying to make it extra special before, um, whether rightly or wrongly, there was certainly a lot of emphasis on the show. We had a huge amount going on last week. We had performances from the likes of Will I Am and Journey, who, by the way, absolutely smashed it. I was I sort of listened into the um the the, the pre pre show. I, I I think I'm I'm classing it as the great concert, um on the LED blocks that they they put up and um yeah stand out really for me was uh, was journeys don't stop believing yeah absolutely fantastic i wasn't expecting them to be that good and they absolutely were um and there was also uh, some should we say uh issues teething problems with the las vegas grand prix uh, certainly around the quality of the track and uh, i'm sure we'll talk about this carlos Sainz's unfortunate encounter with a drain cover he won't be the first and probably won't be the last at street track to to that and I know obviously there was at the beginning there was a lot of criticism due to fans being forced to leave um perhaps they shouldn't have been forced to leave I'm sure I guess we'll we'll discuss this in a little bit but certainly it was a real show that rocked us all I think I was said last week I really hope it's a good race and to be honest I think they shut down all the all the critics. It the the racing was better than I thought it was going to be. I thought the track was going to be pretty boring. It wasn't it was exciting. There was a lot of unknowns. I am looking forward to going back. The only thing I'd say before I hand to you, Angus, is I wanted to see more Las Vegas, right? It, it kind of looked to me like I was at every other street track. I could have been at Jeddah or we could have been sort of Monaco in the dark. It could have been a bit of Singapore in there. I, I just, apart from the sphere, because it was hard to miss the sphere, I wanted to see more Las Vegas. I wanted to see higher shots. I don't know why they couldn't put those in there of, you know, the the racing cars going down the strip. They made a massive deal about how they were going to be flying down the strip. Show me the strip then. It was a bit weird that they kind of buried it up, buried it all up, and then didn't come up with a way around that. I would have thought for a, an organization that has as much money as Formula One, they could have come up with a way to make me feel like I was in Las Vegas. It's all well and good putting 
nice decals on the track to make the curbs look like a, a roulette wheel. Great. I love those little details. Hard to see in the dark uh, a little bit. Hard to see at 200 mile an hour when you're flying past this stuff. So I felt like we could have had a little bit more Las Vegas in there. But I'm pretty satisfied. I wasn't I wasn't a massive critic going into this. I thought it might be a bit much. But yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. What about you, Angus? What are your takeaways from the Las Vegas Grand Prix and the Las Vegas show? Were you pleasantly surprised or underwhelmed by what was delivered? I was pleasantly surprised. I think that in my mind I thought, right, here's another street track. It's just the fact it's in Las Vegas this time that might make it a little bit more special than usual. Someone likens the track to an upside-down pig, yeah. which I actually thought was quite an accurate description. And people might have thought, well, you know, if it's an upside, what, what, what's so special about an upside-down pig, to be honest? But in the end, it actually was a pretty spectacular race, wasn't it? We had some really good racing. I think the track did help because you have those big, long straights, um, including the one down to that little chicane on the final corner. And it really created a sense of, um, like, well, a sense of going for it and places to overtake i re i liked especially the uh, we saw was it hamilton and piastri go side by side through that little final little kink where it goes onto the pit straight and you got like a teeny tiny pit straight i thought that was a nice little touch because it encourages drivers to be to be gutsy at various points i did think however if there's a crash there it's gonna be absolutely humongous uh, but thankfully we didn't have to didn't have to worry about that no but it Only did cause a couple of issues though didn't it because you had george russell uh, turning in and having a having a collision with Max, and there was there was a close call, for example, on the last last um, lap when the club basically dived in there. So that that corner at the end, you're right, it was certainly a, a, a moment of opportunity after a long straight. Um, and yeah, I I think without that opportunity area, we it would have been a lot more dull. Yeah. I think overall is a pleasant surprise, I'd say, because I agree with what you say in terms of when I first saw it on the on the TV, I got massive Jeddah vibes because I thought, well, it's just it's the same sponsors, it's the same layout, it's dark, and I thought that's definitely very similar to other races I've seen. But yeah, I think on TV it could have been played a bit better because you know you want to see the strip, you want to see Caesar's Palace, you want to see I don't know the name of it, but that famous water fountain which goes up and down all the time. Um, you want to see that, don't you? But I think overall it was still an incredible spectacle. I think the timings are still a bit weird. Uh, mm. It's the equivalent, they said, of doing an American race on a Japanese time zone, which, considering they're now in Abu Dhabi on Friday for practice, is a little bit jarring for the bodies. So at the same, at the same time, though, I still think it did provide a spectacle. And the show, I find the show a bit cringe. I think we, you know, my thoughts on that, especially with mm. the um, uh, what happened in Miami where they went onto the, the remember when they went onto the podium, <laughs> wearing, uh, what was it, the American football helmets? Well, the helmets, just, yeah, on Texas yeah, their hats. It was uh. just absolutely ridiculous, to be honest with you. But and I mean, um, what was weird this time? One of the highlights of the weekend was they had a announcer, you know, WWE, you know. Welcome to such and such. That really the iconic announcer. I'm not going to try and do an impression. I won't do it justice. But they uh, they started announcing the drivers' names. And uh, um, listeners, you'll probably know what I'm about to refer to here. Uh, they they announced Sergio Perez. He was Sergio Perez, and 
I think Sergio thought it was an uh, an interviewer. So he sort of like wanders over to him, hands in his pockets. And then the the announcer, I think, has a, a real moment of, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And they just sort of look at each other. It the, the camera just stays on them awkwardly, like hanging around. And then Sergio Perez turns around with his hands in his pockets and sort of like wobbles away a little bit and then they they move on and it was it was a pure symphony of awkwardness i and it, yeah it was it was fantastic it was not awkward like a like a um martin brother pit walk awkward but it was just a, a real moment of no one really thought that one through no one really told perez what he was supposed to do at that moment so there was a little bit of like awkward moments as you refer to there um and and certainly for me that that was one of the standout um parts i think some of the drivers just didn't necessarily know how to act in that situation and some of them are not natural showmen and it's probably something which is a little bit strange to them and they're sort of left there wondering what on earth to do to be honest we know that mr verstappen was very scathing wasn't he in his criticism of various parts of the event um not exactly ideal when your triple world champion one of your main ambassadors is constantly (laughs) slagging off your premium event although he had he had come around a bit by the end of the week hadn't he he was a bit more um eloquent and a bit more sort of had a bit more praise for what he'd seen and what he'd experienced but yeah it was just it was surreal in a good way because you spend your whole life watching F1 and there's always like big promises of races in these supreme locations such as Las Vegas. And you think, well, that would never happen. We said last week, didn't we, about how we've been promised a London Grand Prix for our whole lives with a with a, with a route conveniently twisting between Buckingham Palace, Marble Arch <laughs> and going <laughs> yeah. around Kensington Gardens, <laughs> which in reality, that's that's never going to happen. It'd be way too logistically of a pain in the backside. But oh yeah, absolutely. We, we we've been promised it for years, and we do want it at some point. But um, the fact that it was actually happened in Las Vegas, and sure, the pothole was not ideal, and it did cause a big delay in proceedings at the start of the event, and it was a little bit embarrassing, and really embarrassing for those fans to have to be removed because oh, yeah. of the the timings and the fact that if you don't know if you saw the videos of them going up and down on escalators just to get a little peek of the action. 20 but, seconds first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. What well, great way to spend money, right? But um, apart from that, once and in the end, Toto Wolff was right when he um, not so politely told that journalist that a pothole would not derail the whole weekend. In the end, you know, it didn't really because the event was quite spectacular and it worked out well. And... You had lots of people with positive opinions of Formula One. So overall, it has to be a success, doesn't it? And you have to mention, we were talking about the show, the actual quality of the race, which I alluded to slightly earlier, was good, wasn't it? Mm. It actually was a good race with good racing, drivers coming through the field, a bit of drama. Whoever put oil down on the first uh, corner on the <laughs> first lap, and he's a bit of a talking to, but yeah, well, they it, it, it did at least create a little bit of uh, jeopardy, didn't it? And it was a... It was an interesting race. It was a good watch at the end of the day. Yeah, full of surprises as well. Big. We're not going to talk about him because we don't have time in this podcast, but just a big shout out for Lance Stroll. And it, yeah. there are moments when I see Lance Stroll performing not just well, but brilliantly. 
and and 19 to P5 this weekend was an exceptional performance. It brought back memories of like Jensen Button from you know last place to first place and stuff like that. Um, and where does that go? What what is it with Lance? He's like, oh yeah, oh, you know, I just blitz it this weekend. I just do a brilliant job. And then other weekends, he's like, mm, yeah, I'm going to be at the back. <laughs> I have no idea where this this came from this weekend, but apparently Lance Stroll he grew a bit he grew like a, a beardy mustachey thing. Um, so maybe that's we're entering entering evil Stroll period now, and that's what's going to be. Um, so yeah, we're not going to talk about him, but I feel like we we give him a lot of stick, rightfully give him a lot of stick, but also we're you know I feel like we're fair, and he did do one of the best drives. Um, yeah, full of twists and turns that I think kept us on the edge of this, our seats. Uh, it was unfortunate. I think if you looked at the end result, you saw Max Verstappen win again. I think that doesn't tell the whole story yet again. It was unfortunate. I think the win did get taken away um, from Leclerc by an unlucky moment with the safety car. And I think the Ferrari strategists did a good job. They held him out longer knowing there was severe tyre degradation they can't predict a, a safety car so yeah I, kudos all round really full of surprises ferrari good strategy lance stroll incredible drives yeah just absolutely yeah magical moments and yeah there were a few iffy bits um handing carlos Sainz a penalty i think was uh, a wrong move i feel for the stewards again i don't not sure we'll have time to talk about this apart from in a flying visit but um do you think there needs to be a very quick? Do you think there needs to be an overhaul of of how we deal with moments like that? Because was it right that science was given a penalty for damage that was caused by a drain? I think that is very unfortunate. I do appreciate the fact that the stewards have said that they looked for quote three hours to try and find a way around the rule so that stroll wouldn't uh, so, sorry so that science wouldn't have to be penalised. But yet at the same time, there does realistically need to be a change, like. Imagine, imagine um, it's the same as someone crashing into your car on the road, and you turn up in court and you have to ask be asked to pay the bill, because, because because why not? So, you know something like that. It's just something which is not your fault at all, and you lose out because of it. And it cost science a spectacular weekend because he had great pace. It could have been a Ferrari one too if things had gone for them, <coughs> and in the end, it wasn't due to a safety car and a drain cover. So a very unfortunate, very unfortunate mix of events which conspired to mess up things for Ferrari. Um, but I will also I will go back to the previous point to, for once in my life, give a small ounce of credit to Stroll for an excellent drive because I don't often give him credit, but fair enough, he absolutely smashed it this weekend. But he needs to do it more often. He can't just turn up to Brazil, like you said, and then just go. You know what? I'm going to drive well today, and uh, all of a sudden. He's got great pace. He needs to step it up more often. But fair enough, he actually aced it this weekend in the race, 19th to 5th. And Esteban Ocon as well, 16th to 4th, coming from nowhere really to turn in a spectacular drive. Um, there's, a few, there's a few of those. I've looked and half of the drivers who started in the top 10 finished outside the top 10. So that means half of the top 10 was made up by drive. In fact, three of the top 10 went out in Q1. So um, it's not bad going for those guys. No, absolutely. Something about the, I guess, the uniqueness of, of the weekend, I think, looking sort of at, holistically at the the race, we had some unusual things, a very early um, sort of virtual safety car, loud pit 
you know, early pittings. And that's what really gave Sergio Perez the opportunity to come back um, with fresher tyres. And then another safety car combined that with high degradation and colder temperatures. It, it was just, I think, uh, a weekend of, of so many unknowns that we were always going to have an opportunity for these bizarre things. Um, you know, it was just strange. Max Verstappen having to chase down the Ferrari after getting a five-second penalty for the opening um, issues against Leclerc. You know, that was unusual. We had an oil slip. I think it all kind of, it all sort of amalgamated. All these unknowns, all these weird things, five-second penalties here, virtual safety cars, safety cars, colder temperatures on the tyres, people not knowing how to set the cars up necessarily. You know, Sergio Perez had a, had a more downforce in his rear wing than Max, and that caused him problems and allowed Leclerc to get past him over the line. You know, all these things contribute to the excitement. And uh, actually, look, and qualifying was just so bizarre compared to the end result. Uh, and if you look at, for you know, for example, Williams, you are basically aiming at, to lock out the third row. And then you, you look at the actual race overall and you think, oh, okay, fair enough, they, you know, they slip backwards. But as, you know, rightly, as you say, People were moving around all over the shot in the race. And so qualifying didn't really mean anything. It was like opposite of Monaco, where qualifying is everything. Um, and so that's led us quite nicely, I think, into what's next for the Great Drivers' Championship and the Constructors' Championship as we head towards the final race of the year. I can't believe we're here, Angus, already. As we head from the highs, I think, of, of Las Vegas to perhaps a track that's mired in, well, controversy because 2021, but also controversy because it's, it's, some people hate it. It is going to be Abu Dhabi, Yas Marina. And we seem to have quite a number of fights on our hands. So I think we should start off with the team's fight. And we're, we're going to start off with the fight for second. We've got Mercedes versus Ferrari. Um, Mercedes have 392 points and Ferrari have 388. Four points going into it with two drivers to, you know, both sides have two very good drivers. This is going to be down to the wire. There are so many different combinations that could lead to either one winning. If any of them, in my opinion, if any of them get a DNF, that's it. They are completely ruined. They will lose that um coveted spot if you were betting man angus who is gonna take that second place when we talk about this next week good question good question um i'm going to stick my neck on the line and say based on overall recent form ferrari will overhaul overhaul it's a four-point deficit but let's go with overhaul they will overhaul the four-point deficit just because they've had more raw pace in recent races. Charles Leclerc has taken three out of the last four pole positions. That kind of went under the radar, didn't he? He's casually this year, despite being a slower car, again, just taken five pole positions, showing that his raw pace really is there. But he's now got the unenviable record of 23 career pole positions with five wins. I believe we can still roll out that stat, can't we? Of Max Verstappen has more wins from Charles Leclerc poles than Charles Leclerc does from Charles Leclerc poles, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, whip out that yeah. whip out that stat again. But um no, I think Ferrari just over the last few races turned a corner. Sort of those late season upgrades have done wonders for them. I feel like you see maybe it's because we we have British media here and Mercedes is in essence, I know it's a German company, but it's got two British drivers, so it gets lots of coverage. I feel like every weekend we see some sort of article 
with an interview with Toto Wolf, basically um, talking about how slow the car is and that it wasn't a good weekend and that they could have done better. I feel like we see that a lot at the moment. Um, but Ferrari are actually, ironically, a bit more sort of in the background, doing things more calmly, more quietly. Um, so I'd say that Ferrari probably are in the best position, if I'm honest, to get the job done and to get it sorted. Whether they'll do that, we'll see. Only they could find a way to not put themselves in the ideal position. But my gut says that Ferrari at the moment would bring it home and would be the one in the best position to get that second place. What do you think? Do you agree? Yeah, it is a bit weird, isn't it? That Mercedes um, seems to be unbalanced and unsettled and Ferrari have had a little bit more of their act together. Uh, it's something that I haven't seen for a, uh, a long time. In fact, when I really think about it, it's not something I don't. I, well, I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember Mercedes being like they are at the moment. I think even in twenty twenty, um, in twenty twenty two, I feel like they still had, at least on the outside, a semblance of calm and collective unity. I feel like they don't necessarily have unity at the moment. They've been changing their technical directors. We've had loud and very vocal criticism of the car, its direction. Hamilton and Russell are under a lot of pressure. I think George Russell's had a lot of criticism to him at the moment. There seems to be a trend of disliking Russell. I'm not sure where it's come from. Um as I say, maybe I, I think I've made the joke before that it's because he's got that air of you know, my father will hear about this sort of thing going on. And he uh, certainly elements this weekend didn't help, for example, when he sort of turned in and had that collision, that that damage. Um, but he owned up to it. He said, well, you know, my my mistake. I just didn't see him coming. So, yeah, there are that I would say that you are correct in your analysis that. Ferrari seem to have their act together a little bit at the moment. With that said, it's worth bearing in mind that Ferrari haven't had that, you know, haven't been without their fair share of bad luck either, especially from a reliability issue perspective. Charles Leclerc didn't even manage to get to the beginning of the race. Let's not forget before Las Vegas. Um, uh, his power steering went out, crashed straight into the barriers. Uh, uh, gave up car gave up or uh, science has had some bad luck as you know with the drain cover that was that was really bad luck it seems like ferrari are also treading at the moment on the, on the, the i don't know i was gonna say the, the you know the evil side the dark side but it, they've they've certainly they've certainly had their fair share of, of issues as well so to be honest it could well be a weekend where it's just whoever's luckiest gets the coveted second position in this case and gets the uh extra slice of the pie that that will give you um but if i was if i was to bet as well i'm i'm gonna go differently i think i think given your settling on ferrari i think it's going to be mercedes i think advantage is to mercedes going into this weekend i think both hamilton and russell know how to perform there i don't see i see this track being a little bit kinder to them and what their package will uh will allow them that their, their overall track time so i can see it being an even split and i have faith in hamilton to really pull out the bag where it matters and you know, get himself and get mercedes over the line i don't 
I think it'll be close, but I, I reckon they can just pit them there. Um, and I don't know, I could see something, but I could see bad luck. If I look into my crystal ball, I see bad luck coming from Charles Leclerc. He's a, <laughs> I know, battery or something will go, um, and that, and that will be it. And we are also, bear in mind, we're at the end of the season, parts are wearing out, engines are wearing out, and the amount of changes you can make without penalty are now over it's that's it we're into the the last moments where if you change uh, you know parts you will get a penalty as a result so it's also could be a fight for reliability and i think mercedes in general has been more reliable than ferrari interesting i think it's going to be a really interesting finale isn't it at least it at least gives some sort of jeopardy to the final part of the season when there is very much not jeopardy in the title races with gaps of 276 and 420 points respectively so those are definitely out of the equation in terms of any competition one other big competition which halfway through the season i didn't see being a, f- a fight because i thought one te- i thought one team would sort it out and finish ahead but it's turned into a fight because the team that you guys thought would catch up have sorted themselves out but then that team has slipped back a bit in recent times, and the fight has equalised a bit more. We are, of course, talking about McLaren and Aston Martin. The next big question, who do you think is going to finish ahead in this battle? Again, prize money up for stake. It is, yeah, absolutely. And you're right, but, you know, we we did predict it was going to, McLaren were going to catch up with Aston Martin. It was certainly out of the blue when they started doing it. And I know you were sceptical, but as it's turned out, your scepticism isn't necessarily founded without merit because Aston Martin are are clawing it back. It is a what a weird season from that perspective. We ignore Red Bull, ignore the domination from Max Verstappen. We've had some crazy, crazy like turnarounds. We had Sergio Perez nearly losing second place. We've had Aston Martin being in second place and then falling all the way back down to us considering whether or not they were going to even be able to hold on from fifth. Um, I, I, I know it sounds a bit bizarre now, but of course in the middle of the season, you had a half the way to go. They'd got no points. And McLaren is just basically from the summer break has just clawed forward and accelerated and now we're discussing whether or not Aston Martin and uh, are going to be near the front next year and McLaren are they going to go are they going to be near the front and if you look at the beginning of the season it was going to be well Aston Martin's obviously going to be so strong they're going to be fighting with um, Red Bull next year and McLaren oh, can they even get to the midfield yeah it's gone topsy-turvy we flipped all on our heads it's really hard. It was a really hard weekend for McLaren this weekend. I predicted going into it that McLaren were going to have a bad weekend. I said they were going to be sixth. And I thought that that meant like, you know, um, sixth in terms of the constructors. So they, you know, they would be in like 11th or 12th place. I didn't predict, I didn't predict that one of them was going to go out. <laughs> it was hmm. awful. What a terrible weekend for McLaren. They just had no pace. Um, thankfully, Lando Norris was fine, and Piastri, bless him, he, he did his best, and he had some issues. They had uh, a double; they pitted twice on the same uh, same compound of tire, which meant that they. It was a bold strategy for McLaren, but unfortunately, then at the end of the race, he had to pit again 
in order to satisfy the rule where you have to change your tire compound so he fell right back out of points just ugh, we just we'll just skip that very quickly <laughs> um hmm. yeah it was definitely um a, a bold strategy there for piastri and i but i think you know piastri did as best he could really um yeah, it was uh, it was a hard one to watch, and it didn't do them any favors uh, favors either, um, because it did allow Aston Martin to come back. Um, yeah, the the only plus side I think was McLaren did end up getting the fastest um, fastest lap point for Piastri as well. So in tenth place, he got two points, but that's not the run of form that we were expecting, is it? Uh, from the lights of McLaren. Bear in mind that if we just go back to Brazil, you had Lando Norris in second. Yeah, just like, well, you know, that's where we've come to expect um, expect him now. We're expecting McLaren to be up in the top three. So yeah, that was a definitely a fall from grace, um, and has allowed, as you say, has allowed Aston Martin to come back because we did have Lance Stroll have that fantastic drive, superb drive, um, helped out a little bit by George Russell's. Um, penalty so that dropped George behind him stuff but you know that's the, the fact of the matter is Lance Roll got 10 points this weekend and uh, alone and Piastri could only manage two and then Fernando Alonso got two so that's it it's just fantastic just really really good but Abu Dhabi I think is going to go back towards the McLaren side of things I think the track is going to suit them a little bit more there are there there is obviously that very high speed straight at, at, down the back side of the the track um but to be honest everything else i think it sort of falls into the the mclaren strengths we've got the sort of um mid-speed corners good traction and acceleration you know trying to drag race you know your um opponents out and i think that that those elements will suit the mclaren as well the mclaren also i think prefers warmer temperatures as well and I think that will help them, especially as we know that the Aston Martin can eat through its tyres quite quickly. Um, incidentally, we that makes a bit unknown for the um, Mercedes-Ferrari fight because both have have had issues with their tyre degradation. So, um, yeah, that's going to be really interesting to watch as well. But I think all, all things, in my mind, point towards McLaren taking that position. And and I guess just holding on to the edge. But to be honest, it's going to be very, very close. And I think if we, if they do, my final point, if they do get fourth, I think it'll be one of the best comebacks I've seen. Yeah, that's a fair point because they really had a stinker at the start of the season. They only got, well, they got zero points in the first two races. And when you bear in mind that in the first two races, Aston Martin correspondingly got 38. It wasn't necessarily a strong start. Bit of a poor race for McLaren in Las Vegas, you're right. I th but I th I agree with you that it's a bit of a unique race in terms of the characteristics. Obviously, you had the freezing cold temperatures, the different track, the street circuit layout. Abu Dhabi, whilst sure it's you could be classed as a street circuit, it's got a much more traditional layout. It's now got fewer slow corners, which possibly will suit the McLaren better. Um and whilst it's a bit of a boring prediction, I think that Ferrari overcoming four points is much more likely than Aston Martin overcoming 11 points because mm -hmm. there have been quite a few races in recent times where Aston Martin have not even got 11 points themselves in the race. So 
I think that for them to overtake McLaren would take quite a big change of events and McLaren should have enough to get it done realistically but I guess you never know till the cars rock up on Friday and try the track out for the first time try the tyres out for the first time so we'll see how it goes one question for you because got another quiz had a quiz question last week got another one today I suppose if um, there was so there was only t- uh uh, two drivers before this weekend who'd finished every single race in 2023. Lando Norris was one of them, but of course he had that mammoth crash during the race in Las Vegas on the third lap. Who's the other driver who's finished every single race? Full-time driver, so Liam Lawson doesn't count. Well, finished every every race so far. Uh, yes, so far. It, it, Max Verstappen. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I, was thinking, he's... I was thinking, who hasn't gone out? Because, yes, of course, because Max Verstappen's won everything. <laughs> yeah. He's won, he's he's won every right, race. <laughs> he's, won, he's, he's won 18 races. He's finished second in oh, two of Jesus. them. And then fi- and then only fifth in Singapore was his one anomaly, his outlier. So, so we talk about like consistency and reliability of the cars, but reliability of the driver is another thing that is incredibly important. Uh, and yep. equally important, I would say, and that is a phenomenal stat to get to this point so many races just over and over again to perform at that level is it's just mind-boggling it's really it's difficult to judge you know whether or not someone can overcome points linking back to um mclaren versus aston martin because though the other thing to consider i guess is yeah, there are 11 points but you have to get 11 more points than your rivals so it's not just enough necessarily there is a big caveat there of course if you're if you're competition scores nothing but you have to get uh, uh, 11 points more than your your competitors so in this in the all likelihood mclaren is going to score points this weekend and all likelihood so is aston martin but to get 11 more that is really really tricky um so i don't know i i'm just trying to think you know whether or not they can do it i think it's it's unlikely i think all mclaren need to do is get two drivers in points positions and hold on and i think they'll probably be okay i can see max taking the win for another 18 and so what that that just leaves you know second place which is 15 points and then you know trickles down from there i just i just can't see it i can't see mclaren losing this one because i think they're going to score points and yeah it would have to be dnfs i think some sort of major major problem major malfunction with with the team but then saying that that's exactly what happened in las vegas so i guess i guess we'll, we'll wait and see but it is definitely uh, going to be down to the wire um but yeah i think i think you're right in saying that 11 is too much four points on the other hand i, I that can go either way that really can four points is incredibly yeah. close between Mercedes and Ferrari. So there is certainly going to be a lot to watch as we head into our, the, what, the final race of, of the weekend, uh, final race of the year. Let's fingers crossed that the uh, FIA don't do something <laughs> uh, controversial um, to, that, that yeah. upsets the, uh, the board. 
And so ends another episode of F1 in Review. Thank you very much for listening if you've got to this point so far. And whilst Las Vegas did leave us with a sort of a big showstopper, it isn't the end of the season just yet. We are for one last time heading off for another race. It's got a lot to live up to. I will say that it was uh, Las Vegas could have been, I think, the end of the season. But um, no, we are heading to Abu Dhabi this weekend where we've got more of a normal return to F1 timing. So if you are in the UK, you can tune into qualifying on Saturday, the 25th of November at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. Much, much more respectable. Getting up too early there. And on Sunday, the race will be at 1 p.m. So thank you very much for listening if you got to this point of course you can follow us on our social media platforms that's x formerly twitter you can also find us on tiktok if you want to listen to short snippets of each episode that we make and you can please also follow us on your favorite podcast platforms we are on all the all the major ones and following does help us of course so we look forward to returning next week to discuss the fallout from the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix including who takes those coveted positions of second and fourth place as well as looking as well on the driver's side of things and who might well take the final spots the ones that are open and left all to play for for there is quite a lot of excitement in there as well so thank you very much for listening and we will be back next week